You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Do take your seats here, AJ, Michael, Isabel, musicians, thank you so much. Yeah, I want to give them a big hand here, show them some love in the chat if you are at home, and uh, I hope you are doing well today. I'd like to extend my welcome to you, and particularly if, if you've recently joined us here at CLM, you're either here in person or online, welcome, and uh, we're just so delighted to have you as part of the journey of what God is doing here in and from Coventry, and uh, we understand God is, is gathering a congregation much further afield than we uh, ever really expected or anticipated. Well, I'm sure like uh, many of you, yesterday I, I paused for a few minutes for the funeral of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, a life of duty and service for our nation. I just want to encourage us to continue to pray for the Queen, our dear Queen, who has spent pretty much the whole of her life in faithful service and an incredible woman who has been faithful to Jesus and expressed her faith in God, and this week she turns 95 and continues to be the monarch over our nation, and this week without her husband by her side. And uh, let's continue to pray for her, pray for the royal family, and pray that God will keep a God-fearing monarch on the throne over the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth for the honor of his name, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, also, uh, want to just give a little special shout out to Mick and Sandra Bonner, uh, many of you will know Pastor Bonner uh, and Sandra, who were the pastors here pretty much before Esther and myself. There was a, a bridging time of a few months where John Partington stepped into a gap, but for 25 years before then, uh, Mick and Sandra were the pastors here. And uh, we're just so delighted that they remain uh, a key, integral part of the church family. And on Monday, just gone, some of you saw it in the YouTube chat, people were shouting out last Sunday, but they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And so we celebrate with you guys and uh, offer you our congratulations. And uh, there's a little ripple of applause here showing uh, that we love you. Well, if you've got a Bible, why don't you come with me to John chapter 11. John 11 to one of the most famous miracles in the Bible. If you know the Gospels well, you will know that we are headed to the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, John is very selective about the miracles that he includes in his Gospel account. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have around 20 Gospels, uh, 20 miracles, sorry, should say, in their Gospel accounts. Over 30 miracles in total are described. In the Gospel of John, just seven. And uh, John doesn't call them miracles, he calls them signs. And where he includes a miracle, he is, he is showing us something about the identity of Jesus. Who Jesus is, he's really showing us that the miracle validates something about Jesus. And here in John 11, we find the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Jesus has been with the disciples in Jerusalem and uh, then he has retreated into the wilderness uh, to the place where John the Baptist was baptizing just before returning 
to Jerusalem for the Passover feast where he will then be crucified and himself raised from the dead. And at this period of time where we catch the story, he's out of this remote place, but word gets to him that a man named Lazarus, known to him, is seriously sick. And the implication is that he should go and heal him. But instead of going, he deliberately delays, uh, during which time Lazarus dies, and then Jesus goes. And when he arrives there, Lazarus's sisters greet him, and they both say, if you'd only been here, if you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died, but you weren't here. But Jesus demonstrates Complete control throughout. And he says that the words that were actually read by the Archbishop of Canterbury yesterday in the uh, royal funeral service, these words, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And this is the point of John including this miracle because Jesus then raising Lazarus from the dead validates the, the words that he's just spoken, that he is the resurrection for us, that we can hope in Jesus. And if our hope is in Jesus, that even when we die, we will live in him. And he validates this audacious claim by raising a dead man up. And Jesus is there in the place where Lazarus has died, and he goes to the tomb, and, and he asks for the stone to be removed and uh, he gets told that, that the body is already decomposing and there's a bad odor. The authorized version said, he stinketh. And, uh, but Jesus says, well, anyway, I want you to remove the stone. Then he calls into the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And this man whose body uh, has been laid there for four days is already in a process of decomposition, is restored and gets up and comes out of the tomb. Today, it's very important we understand how this story plays out. But I'd like to take us right to the front end of this story. And I'm not really so much speaking about the resurrection of Lazarus, but speaking about that tension of present circumstance and the promise of God. Because here in these opening verses, we see some present circumstances which are seriously adverse some present circumstances that are speaking certain words. They are proclaiming, the circumstances are almost proclaiming certain things, and yet there is a promise. And sometimes we can identify with this. It can be processed that God leads us through where the present circumstances are saying something, but the promise of God is saying something else. And we're not yet delivered. We are living in the front end of this chapter as it were. If you want a title for today, it will be this, hold on, hold on. Because when we're in that place of present circumstance, we have to learn to hold on to the promise of God. Though it tarry, wait for it. And we have to hold on to the word of God. This God that we've just singing about who is faithful and cannot deny himself, his promise endures. Philippians 2 says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, then you will shine among them. Shine among the world, the Bible says, like stars in the sky, as you get this hold firmly to the word of life. As you hold firmly to the word of life. And as followers of Jesus, we have to learn to hold firmly to the word of life. What it means in the midst of present circumstance to hold on to the word of life. So here in John 11, we read this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Just note that. 
the simplicity of that. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Let's note that last week, Gabriel reminded us the power of holding on to the word, that the word can transform our minds. The word can also be an anchor for us. We have to learn to hold on. Before we really begin to unpack this message, I want us to notice two promises that are here in the text. The first is a promise for the situation. What you might call a rhema word or a now word, a prophetic word, a word spoken specifically into that situation. Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. Now, I'm sure that everybody thought that Jesus had missed it other than Jesus when Lazarus died. But of course, Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. He said it wouldn't end in death. He had a different outcome, a different ending. There is a word spoken into the situation, a situational word. Maybe over your life, somebody has spoken a prophetic word. Maybe in in a certain situation that you're going through, somebody has spoken something. Maybe God has brought something alive to you and you have a sense that God has spoken a word to you and we have to hold on to these rhema words if we have them. It's also why it's so important as a community, we stir up the prophetic. You might be in prayer for somebody and God speaks to you. You can send them a text or WhatsApp some, somehow send a message. You don't know the potential impact of what you could be sending. It could be a now word. I'm not talking about just firing things off at random, but if you know God has spoken, to send it forth because it could be that situational word that they need to hold on to. Remember some years ago, Esther and myself were, were in church and and a lady came up to Esther at the end of the service and said to you, I've been praying for you and I, I just sense I need to say to you, your eyes are going to be all right. Now at that time, Esther's eyes were absolutely fine. It was one of those words where you kind of go, oh, well, thank you, sister. Thank you for that. I kind of don't know what to do with that. What do you do with that? Um, but you just say, you do what any good Christian would do and you graciously say, thank you very much for that. And, uh, and I'll take that and I'll receive that. And it wasn't many days later that Esther went for a routine visit to the opticians and was told that she had a condition with her eyes. But God had already spoken a word. And instead of Googling all that can happen with that condition and allowing fear to come in, there was a word from God, a situational word to hold on to in that moment and ongoing that our eyes are going to be right because God has already spoken. But also in here, there is not just a promise for the situation, there is a promise for Lazarus's life. There's a promise for life. And it's less obvious, you won't actually see it unless you dig a little bit, because the promise is in his name. The name Lazarus is from Eliza, which means God has helped. God has helped. Now, let me help us, because it's a bit different to the day that we generally live in. In those days, you were meant to live up to your name. If you, if you were, when you were born, if your parents named you strong, you were expected by everybody to grow up and be strong. This is why it was a problem for Abraham because his name meant exalted father and he and Sarah were barren. They didn't have kids. And the shame in the community to be called father, 
This guy, I mean, he's a boy growing up and he's called father. Everyone knows he's going to have kids because he's been named father. And he grows up and becomes a man and they haven't got any kids. And then God says to him, I'm going to change your name. Can you imagine how happy he'd be? And he says, I'm going to change it to Abraham, which means father of many. But what happened is that God spoke a word over him and indeed it came to pass. And he became the father of Israel, became the father of many. His word was fulfilled. Now, some of you have names like that. We have lots of people in our church with great names like blessing and favor. You know, but some of us don't have a name like that. I mean, I'm called Martin. If you Google that, you'll find it means man of Mars. I mean, what does that mean? You know what? The, the best interpretation of man of Mars means like man of war, warrior. I mean, that's the best I can claim. There's not really a big promise of being a man of Mars. I mean, it's just, it's a name that my parents chose for me. They must have liked it. I don't know. When I was born, they named me that. It's not in my name. But you might think, well, I don't have a word over my life like Lazarus. And here's the thing, because Lazarus means God has helped. This guy is a testimony on legs. If your name's God has helped, then it means you're, when you actually have a funeral service, people are going to say, you'll never believe what God did for this guy. God helped him time after time after time, and yet right now he is in need of help, and it looks like God isn't helping him. But he has a promise. God, you've spoken over me that you are going to help me. You might think I don't have a promise like that, but I want to tell you, God has given you a name. He's given you the name Son. He's given you the name daughter. And in that name, there is the promise of provision. There is the promise of protection. There is the promise of love. There is the promise of faithfulness. There is the promise of help. There is the promise of goodness. If my name is son, if he's called me son, then all the promises, we've just sung it, are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. This means however many the promises of God are in Scripture, if I am in Christ, those promises are mine. That's why I can say, no weapon forged against me will prosper. I know the plans he has for me to give me a hope and a future. God is faithful over my life. Lord, if you are with me, who can be against me? And if you are in Christ, you have not just a situational word, which you might have, but you have a word for life. And when you don't have a situational word, you can find a word for life that can be your promise to hold on to when the present circumstances are saying something else. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. That's me, yes and amen. Those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. And friends, we have to learn to hold on. Let's look at this text and Focus on three ideas. The first one is this, that for Lazarus, the present spoke of insignificance, but the promise spoke of purpose. Do you notice how this story opens up? It says, there was a man. There was a, there's a guy. I mean, you know, this is like, there's just, there's a man named Lazarus. We don't know who this guy is, but he's from Bethany. And then the Bible tells us, and let me tell you how you should know Bethany, John says. It's because it's the same place of Martha and Mary. Oh, okay, we know Bethany because of Mary and Martha, but we don't know this guy. And then it turns out that Mary and Martha, who we're supposed to know, that actually, it's not just they're from the same place, as Lazarus, they're his sister. But, but at the start of this story, Lazarus is just their sister. Some of you have grown up like that. Oh, you're Brian's brother. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but I don't really want to be in Brian's shadow, right? 
And here in the present, the present circumstances are really telling Lazarus that he's insignificant, he's incidental. He's not achieved anything that would cause us to know who he is. In fact, he's validated by his sisters. And sometimes we can feel like that. We can feel maybe we're background noise or our lives haven't amounted to much or we're not sure what's going on. Maybe we have hopes and dreams, things that we aspire to that have not yet come to pass. And our present is screaming ordinary, but there is a promise. You see here, Lazarus is lying sick, he's incidental, but Jesus is saying this is for the glory of God. Even what you are going through, your purpose is being forged in your present. Even in the ordinary, insignificant present, his purpose is being forged. There is glory to come. There is a promise of something more. There is a promise of purpose fulfilled. And how true it is, it's like Lazarus is one of the most famous people in the Bible. Yesterday, millions of people around the world are tuning in to a funeral of a prince who's passed away. And who are we hearing about? We're hearing about Lazarus, the man who seemed to be insignificant. Sometimes in our present, we can feel insignificant, but there is a promise of purpose. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe you're not sure of your direction. Maybe you're feeling aimless. You don't know what God has got for you. Hold on. There is a promise to be fulfilled over your life. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you've fallen into the comparison trap, looking over at somebody else's lane, comparing your life to their race. Let me tell you, you will never find your purpose in their lane. Their their lane, their race is for them. Your lane is for you. And what we can do sometimes, we can look across at someone else's lane, at someone else's life, looks like they're doing great, but it's not our lane. We are never going to find our fulfillment, the impact of our lives, the legacy of our lives, the reason for which we were brought into the world by Creator God is to run our race, and in that lane we will find our purpose. Social media doesn't help us. We can look at other people's highlights. You know, maybe three posts on Instagram for a week. That's their top three things that happened all week. And the rest of it was ordinary. And we view people through the lens of their highlights, and yet we live in our ordinary. Stop it. We've just got to keep our eyes on Jesus and hold on to the promise. This is what the Bible says. Here's a promise for you today. You are God's masterpiece. Let's say masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. There is a word of purpose. Maybe you're living in a sense of insignificance, but hold on to a word of promise and a word of purpose. Secondly, the present for Lazarus spoke of misfortune, but the promise spoke of blessing. We're not just told that there's a guy. We're told that the thing about this guy is he's sick and he's not got a cold, let me tell you. He is on death's door. His present was screaming misfortune. And we can find ourselves for different reasons sometimes in life where our present seems to be screaming misfortune, things that we didn't want to happen that have happened. We're not told how old Lazarus was at this point or Mary or Martha, but from the general interactions, it would appear as though they're in the prime of their lives. And yet right now, he is sick. He's on his deathbed. 
as it were. And yeah, there is a promise over his life because his name is God has helped. And he's there and he's got this unfulfilled promise that God needs to help him. God is going to help him. The helper, the Ezer of Israel is the helper of Lazarus. And yet he hasn't come through yet, but there is a promise that he will. God has helped. And Lazarus had a choice. We always have a choice in these moments whether we are going to hold on to the present or whether we're going to hold on to the promise. Lord, you spoke over me that you would help me. I was called Lazarus at birth and I've grown up under this testimony and this promise that you're my helper. And when, I, when my days are up, I want it to be said over me that God helped me and yet here I am helpless and I need your help. For good and bad reasons, our lives can hit difficulty. We can face challenges. Things that we... That didn't work out, didn't go to plan, things that we, we hoped wouldn't happen, things we can sometimes even feel embarrassed about. Maybe we've got heavily into debt or, or a relationship that's broken down. Maybe we've made some mistakes, done some things we wish we hadn't and we're living with the consequences right now. We don't want to be defined by those things. Let me tell you, there is a promise. There is a promise of blessing. There is another day coming because this is the one who speaks a word of blessing over our lives. He is the lifter of your head. He is the one that will lift you out. This poor man called on the Lord and he heard him and answered him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. And you might be in the present of misfortune, but there is a promise of blessing. Before I was married, I'd been in my dream job early on, my first kind of proper job, and it came to an abrupt end, and I I found myself disorientated and disappointed and confused and and hurt and and trying to work out what was going on with my life, and I was in this little grotty rented room, and I remember praying and and, and just having some time with the Lord and, and saying, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me a word that I knew very well from the Scriptures. And, and to my shame, I actually said, yeah, Lord, thanks for that. I know that. And in his grace, rather than striking me dead, he said, I know you know that. You need to read around that. And I turned, I looked it up, and I read, read the context of the verses. And it was an incredible word of restoration and hope and blessing and future over my life. It was a situational now rhema word from God. I remember I wept and wept and wept and knew that although the present was saying something else, there was a word over my life. God was going to lift me out. I want to say, friends, hold on to the word. Find it. Seek it. Listen for his voice. If you're in a place surrounded by misfortune, listen for the word of God. Find in here the promise of blessing that God speaks over you and hold on to it. When you do, confess it, stand in it, appropriate it, own it, live it. Let me tell you this, because the present will change, but the promise will remain. The present will change, because the present always changes. This season will become that season, but the promise endures. Thirdly and finally, the present spoke of disaster, but the promise spoke of deliverance. This sickness was a terminal sickness for Lazarus. They were in this situation. It spoke of disaster. It spoke of ruin. We don't know whether Mary and Martha were part of the same financial household or not, whether they'd grown up and they were just related, they were in the same village. But we understand that there was disaster that was screaming out of the present circumstances, ruin. They were desperate, and yet there was a word of deliverance. This sickness will not end in death. No, Jesus says. Can we say no together? No, no, it is for the glory of God. His sisters were living in the 
present of the disaster. Lazarus is living in the present of the disaster. But Jesus spoke a word of promise. The sisters weren't holding on to that when Jesus came. They, they didn't say, now you are here. You can raise up Lazarus. They said, if only you'd been here. Maybe the word hadn't reached them as it was given by Jesus. We don't know. But Jesus held on. I want to say, even when you lose hold of the word of God, he's watching over his own word over your life. He cannot deny himself. But if we hold on, we will have courage and faith to face the present, knowing that God is bringing us through. As I bring this towards a finish, let me remind us that the enemy delights to show us around a worst case scenario. He loves it. He's like an estate agent for worst case scenarios. You can find yourself in a certain situation and if you allow him, he will take you to all the different places that could play out. He will show you the, the features and benefits of these terrible places. He will allow you to go way beyond the present has even gone. That's what he'll do for you if you let him. Some of you know the story when Esther, myself, and our, our kids moved here to Coventry to be part of this, this church. Just, the church had just gone through an incredible building project with a, a debt of 1.8 million pounds, which was a development loan to put the building up. It should have matured to become a mortgage, but the bank had become nervous. They didn't think that we were going to be able to repay it, and they didn't grant the mortgage. We'd moved house and uh, moved city, uh, moved schools, and... and Four or five weeks from having moved, I had my first meeting with the bank manager for the church here. And he explained that they weren't granting a mortgage and we could lose the building. And I remember the enemy, I allowed, I'm not proud of that, I allowed the enemy to show me around what that could mean for us. And I, I faced the prospect of this congregation that we'd come to pastor who'd faithfully gone through this building project, having to lead them through losing the building and trying to find a venue somewhere. And the congregation halving and, and, and just leading people through the pain of that. And then I got along with God and God spoke a word of hope and a word of promise. And I knew he was gonna deliver us. Something changed in my spirit because God is a deliverer. He is a rescuer. His desire is to bless you and not to harm you. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction. Will you hold on? Will you hold on? Jesus said, this disaster will not come upon you. No, in fact, glory will come out of it. Sometimes we have to refuse fear. Fear will try and get its claws into you and will try and anchor you to it so that it controls you. And you have to refuse it. You have to notice that it's coming and instead anchor yourself to the Word. Anchor yourself to the promise. Where, where the present might be speaking disaster, no, there is a promise of deliverance because He is the deliverer. He is the one who over, over you will speak a word of deliverance and He will bring you out. And if you don't have a rhema situational now word for your circumstance right now, then have this life word, all things. All things. Can we say all things? All things, not some things, not most things, not the things that God ordained, but excluding your mistakes. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Hold on to Romans 8:28, if nothing else, and put it above your bed. Put it on your screensaver. All things. When you wake up in the night, that word that came earlier, maybe fear in the night, put it over your bed. 
the, the thing you see in the night is all things, that God is working together for good even in the midst of your situation. When you have a promise, hold it, confess it, put it where you need to put it so you see it, meditate on it, speak it out over your life, rehearse it, choose it, embody it, appropriate it, run to it, and you'll see it come to pass because this is the God, not of the present, it's the God of the promise. This word speaks to you today. I'm gonna to invite you in the room and at home to stand where you are. We're gonna pray. I believe God is gonna cause faith to rise in your heart in these moments. You can see numbers standing in the room. Although I can't see you with my literal eye, I can see you in my spirit if you're standing online right now and God comes and speaks a word of faith to your heart, speaks a promise in the midst of your present. I wanna say to you, if you've allowed yourself to own a sense of insignificance, God is speaking a word of purpose over your life, saying, I know the plans I have for you. I've designed you. I've called you. I've not forgotten you. My hand is upon you. I am working it out in my time. Hold on, hold on. If you've allowed yourself to own the expectation of misfortune, know that God is speaking a word of blessing over your life. He's not come to ruin you. He's come to bless you. He's not come to stitch you up. He's come to favor you. He's not come to allow you to go through misery. He's come to lift you up. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Maybe you've allowed yourself to anticipate disaster. I've come to tell you today that the God you serve is a God of deliverance. Hold on, hold on to the promise. Why don't we pray wherever we are? Open up your hands with me. Let's pray, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your promise. We thank you, you are a God of promise. We thank you, Lord, when the present circumstances of, of our lives can say one thing, your word says something else. And I pray for every person that responds, they would have fresh faith to trust and to hold on to hold on to your word, to hold on to your promise, to know that you are coming for them and coming through for them. You are with them in the storm. You are standing with them. You are walking with them and you are leading them out that this season will become that season and a new day is coming where the favor and the blessing of God, the promise of God comes to pass and we will stand and look back and say, my God has been good to me because he is the God of the promise.